Yo, 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 real quick, real quick. This episode is jam-packed with gems. I'm talking jam, jam-packed. So if you don't want to miss anything, you don't want to miss a thing. You don't want to fumble them gems, okay? You don't want them gems falling out your hands and you go in and get an incompletion. To catch these gems and score that touchdown so you can be successful in this industry or wherever the hell you end up, get your pens, get your papers, you know, get your notes on your phone, open up the Evernote, Google Drive, whatever, Microsoft Word, and write these gems down, okay? Because I put a lot in this episode and I want you to Soak up the information like your name is SpongeBob, okay? So come back to the show, listen, and please enjoy the show. Hey, 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 shout out real quick, real quick. When I shout those people out there who are listening to podcasts, driving in the car, I know how it is. That dude just cuts you off. You want to flip him off, but guess what? Stay calm, all right? Because today's going to be a good day. Shout out to those people who are listening to podcasts and headphones who maybe got that one headphone working and you're not going to have to buy a new one. You are rocking out with the one headphone confidently, okay? That's called confidence, all right? And it's called determination and patience because I know how hard it is listening to one headphone. Shout out to the people who got headphones on with probably one, you know, uh, you know the headphones that have the, the little squishy things on them, but your, your squishy thing already popped off, but you're still listening to it, I know your pain, all right? I got scars on my eardrums from doing that. Shout out to everybody out there who are listening from the Instagram. Shout out to everybody who comments on the post. Um, I'm showing some love out there by trying to do a competition on the story. Shout out to everybody who was a weekly listener, okay? If you want to become a supporter real quick, just check that link in the bottom of the description, and uh, back to the show. And we are back. Thank you for listening to High TV. If you're listening to this episode, reason being, this is a part two of last podcast episode. Where, of course, in the last podcast episode we uploaded before the one on Monday, we did talk about how can you enter the cannabis industry. If you've been following our Instagram, you've seen posts relentlessly that had mentioned and shown people enjoying themselves in the industry. And chances are not everybody you've seen in those pictures are only people that work in industry. Some of those people own the business in the industry. Now, that being said, I wanna have, you know, some preliminary statements I'd like to mention just to let you guys know it's not that easy, okay? I mean, like I say in every podcast for the past couple weeks, anything in life that is worth it is not easy and you must work, all right? Listen, starting a business itself is not easy, and especially starting a business in the cannabis industry, now that's a whole nother story. Now, the reason why it's so difficult to start a business in, uh, a business in the cannabis industry is because everything is in a constant state of flux. When states, especially new states such as New York, who are thinking about or flirting with the idea of starting a uh, recreational cannabis business, what they do to, you know, figure out what's the best course of action for them to go ahead and continue to, you know, start a cannabis business is look to see what other people are doing, you know, keep what's working well and throw away what isn't. And when that happens, there's no, you know, constant in the industry. And chances are, if you're starting a cannabis industry in that state, you have to know the regulatory laws in and out. You have to make sure you have multiple things and I'll get, I'll get more into that later to make sure that your business is compliant and following the law. Just because it's marijuana doesn't mean it's laid back and chill. Just like any other business, tech industry, you know, restaurants, there are grueling, all right, arboring tasks that can possibly drive you crazy and even want to pull your hair out. All right. It's not an easy business, but the thing about it, 
you will love what you are doing. So even if it's hard, you will still love going through it. You may get a headache, but you won't get a migraine. If you understand what I'm saying, the headache will be worth it because in the end, you'll be smiling ear to ear when you've seen what you've created. So with that being said, let's jump right into it. I know the episode's a bit late, but guess what? Your man's is busy and I had to do a lot of things before I can go ahead and record the episode. And I did ascertain a bit of more uh, knowledge on the subject, especially on the legal part of business, because let's be honest, even if you're starting an illegal business without licensing, chances are you want to become a legal business. And what's most important is that most states in America have some type of cannabis laws that would allow you to, you know, even flirt with the idea of starting a legal cannabis business. So with that being said, I wanted to tell you guys first, what states are the easiest Yes, the easiest to start your cannabis business. Reason why I do this, I can give you all of this knowledge that's coming, you know, shortly, that's coming shortly. However, how are you going to now really know how to navigate, you know what I'm saying, understand which state you should possibly either move to or, you know, gravitate to that you may have an easier chance. But just because it's easier doesn't mean it's the right move. But sometimes it's easier to get your feet wet, to understand what you're doing, you know, to get some type of experience so that maybe your first at bat may not be a home run. Maybe it's a ground ball. Maybe it's, maybe it's a foul ball. But then you get your feet wet and start swinging so that you can ultimately hit that home run and become the best cannabis business operator you can be. All right. So let's begin. So first, we have Oregon. Oregon is the easiest, the very easiest state in the country to start a cannabis license. All right. So just so you know, as I mentioned on the podcast, in the state of Florida, it costs $60,000 to apply to become a medical marijuana company to apply, not to give you the license, but just to apply. And in order to become a medical marijuana uh, uh, company, you have to have multi-million dollars in assets, not only in the bank, but in assets. However, in Oregon, it looks like they have their application. Guess what it is? Give a, let's do a door to explore moment. Guess how much it costs to operate in the state of Oregon, given the information I just given you. I'll give you like three seconds. Did you pause and take a guess? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Enough of Dora to explore BS. By the way, that movie is kind of weird. How do you turn Dora into a full feature-length movie? It's almost like everything from the 90s, you know, that was popular is not being recreated. From Lion King to Aladdin. And not even as good as the original. But I guess it's like, uh, I guess it's a way of, of showing that 90s babies have some sort of arrested development where nostalgia still plays a powerful role in their life right but anyway that's no here no there let's jump right into it it costs 250 dollars okay so chances are if you got a paycheck last week you're able to apply for a cannabis license in the state of oregon i'm serious 250 dollars that's madness compared to what's going on all around the state i mean all around the united states of america i mean to to go you know, one state down in California and you having to pay, you know, thousands of thousands and sometimes even hundreds of thousands of dollars to go ahead and become a cannabis business. It's it's almost unprecedented to see that just one state away. If my uh, ge geography is correct, but I believe it is. And it said Oregon it only costs two hundred and fifty dollars. But guess what? That all comes with a price. And that price is what you've heard 
all throughout our posts on the Hemp International Instagram, where we say that Oregon has the cheapest weed out there, like the cheapest weed. Now, when I say cheap, folks, I'm not talking about, you know, weed that's just look, looks like bricks. It got seeds. It got stems. No, I'm not talking about that. When I mean cheap, it literally costs six dollars a gram in the state of Oregon, six dollars a gram. And there were even, you know, news stories going about that had mentioned, yo, how the hell are they paying a dollar a gram wholesale? So you can only imagine how cheap the weed is in Oregon. And so it's almost a, a byproduct of having such an ease of access into the industry. You know, it costs $250 to apply. And you probably have to have a couple, you know, of hundreds of thousands of dollars, of course, to still operate your cannabis business. So if you're out there and you're looking for the easiest state to start your cannabis business, you might want to go out to Oregon. You know, Oregon is creeping very fast into becoming the second best state to not only grow hemp, but actually buy hemp from. You know, of course, Colorado's number one because they've been doing it for a long time. I mean, I know Kentucky was the first state to grow hemp, but they're growing crap out there, right? Has to, has to, I mean, listen, not all hemp coming out of Kentucky are bad, but the fact is the soil is very important when it comes to growing cannabis, right? And so if you're not, you know, recreating your own soil maybe using cocoa fiber or using other you know means of media to grow your cannabis chances are your you know hemp is a plant that absorbs impurities into the soil so that end result won't be that good you know the cbd may contain heavy metals because hemp is known to absorb heavy metals from the soil and that's why you may see it in the cbd but i continue so if you want to go ahead and go to a state with the easiest easiest way to apply if you got $250 in the bank, you know, if you got enough to buy an ounce, chances are you can go ahead and buy a license. And that's why you see Oregon have way too many growers, not enough dispensaries, and that's why the price is so low, okay? I mean, they, they went ahead and said, listen, we want all you guys to grow it because Oregon's, I guess, whole goal was to kill the black market. And the best way to kill the black market is by making everybody allowed to grow, um, sell, however, only allow certain people to become dispensary owners. And that would lead to, you guessed it, super low prices. Now, I've seen cannabis grown in Oregon that have taken, you know, my breath away. That may seem dramatic, but I'm serious. You know, after seeing the prices of it being so cheap, I couldn't believe how expensive it is. But let's move on. The second cheapest state or the best or the second best state to start a cannabis business is Michigan. Michigan used to be the car capital of America. They used Motown Records. Uh, um, uh, that has nothing to do with cars, but you guys understand Motown Records was kind of had the theme that represented all the cars that was made. American made cars that was made in Detroit. However, it seems like Michigan as a whole has fallen down economically, especially after the uh, crash in the market in 2008, whether you saw all these businesses get either uh, bought out, sold and uh, bailed out by the government. So hopefully cannabis may be their way to turn around. Hopefully cannabis is a way to restart, reinvigorate their once luxurious and even envious back in the day industry in the state of Michigan. So back to the stats. So if you want to apply to become a cannabis business in Michigan, it's going to cost you around $6,000. Now that's pretty feasible. You know what I'm saying? Especially for somebody who's just starting up. And just because you're buying a cannabis license doesn't mean you have to go ahead and become, you know, the biggest brand. You can become an ancillary business. You can become a business that uh, does, you know, things to help growers, things to help dispensaries, things to, you can be a cannabis transporter. I mean, there's a bunch of uh, opportunities out there. But 
guess what? Because it costs a bit more, so does their weed. It's about $10 a gram in Michigan. $10 a gram. That's no lie. $10. I know the audio is a bit off, but I was trying my best to stay nice and still. So we're going to go ahead and continue. So if you want to start a cannabis business, folks, you want to make sure that you have a business plan and a proposal. Okay. Once you have your business plan and you have your proposal, things become much easier. You know, imagine you and your friends are going ahead and starting a trip. All right. And you know how hard it is to start a trip with your friends because you guys plan this plan it out like months ahead. And then you check your watch and it's probably about a month away and probably only two of you RSVP'd. So now this big friend trip that was supposed to be, you know, amazing. You guys talked about it in the group chat. You guys are having a ama- you guys are planning out what you're gonna do. Some people are even buying out buying what they're gonna wear months before they go. And then at the last minute, they flake. And you guys are not going anywhere. Now, the reason being is chances are you guys made the plan out of emotion, out of passion, out of excitement, out of out of exuberance. But because you guys lacked a feasible plan, like let's say you guys got to check in every month to make sure you have your tickets bought. You have to check in every month to make sure you have booked your hotel or Airbnb. You guys are checking in every month to make sure that people are buying certain things because chances are once you made a financial commitment, you know what I'm saying, that falls along with that plan, you're gonna follow ahead through it because you're not gonna stop doing something you put your money behind, right? That's gonna hurt and that's gonna suck for everybody involved. So with that being said, you wanna make sure you have a business plan and proposal. I mean, there are templates out there, but I really suggest you just start from scratch. You read other business plans, you see what exactly they're doing, you're learning what their tactics are, you're seeing what everything costs, you're learning how there's company structure is you're learning how they're dealing with regulation how they're dealing with taxation you are learning everything to a t and how do you act how do you get access to that honestly simply ask you know i've gotten access to uh, a dispensary in california's business plan just because i was tight with the people who were associated with the dispensary and it was really a proposal that was meant a proposal sorry slash business plan that was meant to attract investors because that is another big thing in the industry you can have the biggest beautiful business plan and proposal it sounds great on paper but unless you listen you get just like having you can have the best looking car on the outside if it's just you know a prototype or it's one of those cars that you have at car shows it's not really meant to drive around the road it's not going to go anywhere right you need gas and in a cannabis business or in any business funding is that gas to make that car that business go so with that being said go ahead and research cannabis business plans slash proposals make your own start from little by little even if it's a google doc that you're creating even if even if it's a google slide you're creating you're starting it slowly but surely until you perfect it understand what you want to be understand what you want to do and go ahead and make a plan everything works better with a plan just like when you try to plan a trip with your friends it all works out better when you follow the freaking plan now next step we're going to talk about funding All right. Funding, funding, funding. You know how hard it is to, you know, use use any type of financial institution in the cannabis industry. And the reason why it's so hard is because, as you can imagine, banks do not do not like 
cannabis at all. All right. For instance, even when I was selling and many others who are may, who are maybe listening or are followers of International were selling CBD when CBD just came on the scene. We knew CBD was the next big thing. We wanted to try our best to enter the industry. And of course, those who were big enough and had the funding had a bit more cushion to go on and make the best looking brands that people want on their shelves. And they went ahead and survived and doing it. The, they're doing their damn thing. And I'm proud to see some people grow. You know, even when it comes to like cheap CBD, like CBD distillery or higher quality CBD, like Veritas Farms or like, you know, uh, not gourmet, but like uh, very organic, clean brands like Nature's Roots. You know, like so many brands that I've seen grown, like Green Roads are now yeah, I'm seeing in New York City and all over places. All right. They all started because they had a business plan slash proposal and then they went out there and used it in order to get their funding. So. You have to get funding from financial institutions. Now, what are financial institutions? There are venture capitalists. There are people out there who put their money together, you know, and the whole goal is to invest because of course you can invest in your own stuff. You can go ahead and say, you know what? I'm gonna do my research, put my little monocle on and, and try to become an investor. But it's much easier when your money is in a pool and then you have, you know, qualified, professional, experienced, uh, vetted, uh, investors who can now use your money and apply it and use it the best way possible to kind of help out you guys, you know, with your investors. Now, of course, every venture capitalist investment isn't going to work out, but a lot of times it works. So I know in uh, Silicon Valley, they have this thing called Y Combinator and Y Combinator is a startup incubator, which is meant to help take startup businesses, you know, flesh out their ideas, help them perfect it, help them fine tune it so that they can then go ahead and get their funding. And the best ideas, the best companies, the ones with the most promise, such as Instacart that I got bought and bought, got bought out by, I believe, Amazon and a few other companies who have gone through the Y Combinator, receive funding from the incubator in order to grow their business. And then ultimately, you know, the, the uh, incubator wins because they funded you early, which means they get a larger part of the pie. So when you get bought off for a billion dollars, they have a lot of money in the their back pockets all right and the same things goes on for cannabis except it's not as widely known as the tech incubators around the world but i'm sure you can find them all right you have angel investors angel investors are like people who are like mark cuban who are like rich 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 people who you know see what's going on in the world and they're smart chances are they became a billionaire hundred millionaire or multi-millionaire by being smart and so they are being smart by investing in early companies in the cannabis industry who have promise, who have the personnel to have the fortitude, the wherewithal, the knowledge and everything like that to go ahead and become a successful company. Excuse me. These angel investors, you know, most likely will either meet you, you know, what I'm saying in your process of networking, in your process of, you know, proposing your idea, selling your idea, having your company, they watch you grow and then they come in and say, I want to invest. I've seen what you're doing. You're separate. You're separated from the rest of the crowd. Your company is unique and I see promise in it. Let me go invest. And of course, they're doing it because they want a piece of the pie. All right. And of course, you know, you have to understand legal weed is expensive. You're going to need funding. You know, if I just mentioned in Oregon, where it's the easiest place to get a cannabis license, and that's for $250. Let me tell you something. It's not, it's not like that anywhere around the country. All right. I mentioned how just to apply in Florida, it's $60,000. In some instances, it costs upwards of 
multi-million dollars to become a cannabis legal company. And of course, you know, speculation, conspiracy theory is you have these uh, people who are in power in these various industries, such as pharmaceuticals, such as alcohol, such as others who, you know, have lobbyists. And the way politician, politics work, works in America is that money controls everything. All right. Money is the new God in America, unfortunately. Now, the reason why I say that is everything moves with the power of the dollar. Money talks the loudest. So when you see laws being passed, chances are they're being passed to benefit those who are already on top. That's why they say America is shifting towards an oligarchy similar to Rome back in the day. Excuse me. Uh, if, I had, if, if I had better audio program, I would edit that sneeze out. But uh, for the meantime, bless me and sorry for sneezing on the podcast. But that's how you know we're, you know, we're getting from the mud. We're starting from the ground level and working our way up. So thank you for listening. So continuing on with getting funding, you know, you have to understand that cannabis is highly federally illegal, right? We all know that cannabis definitely does have medicinal applications. However, Federal law says that cannabis has no medicinal applications and that that's why it belongs on a schedule line, schedule one banned substance similar to what heroin, similar to cocaine, similar to a bunch of other hard, hard drugs that have no type of medical value and are very destructive to society. But you know that already. So I'm just going to keep going on. So because of that. Banks do not like cannabis. They don't effing cannabis at all. Okay, the, I was getting banned for selling CBD. Payment processors was not effing with us. They were not. They were making sure that we were getting banned for what we we're doing because they didn't want. They were. They were saving their own ass at the end of the day. They didn't want themselves to get you know in trouble with the federal government because their business was being successful before they started allowing cannabis or CBD sales from happening. Now, of course, nowadays that's changing because banks are seeing the financial opportunity. And you know, all a bank is is a entity that says we're going to keep your money safe by holding it here and by law the fdic even if we lose all the money we are getting from you and investing which i don't know if a lot of you know that's what banks do banks will keep your money safe for the goal of investing the money you gave them in order to make more money and then if anything ever happens they'll keep your money safe here and the way that works is banks is able to you know i think to get bonds or Basically, they have it on credit. So if anything happens to your money, they can go ahead and ask the Federal Reserve to give them some bonds. And it's a bunch of crazy, crazy things that happens in America. But that's just how the cookie crumbles, right? So banks does not like cannabis. They don't expect to go to your local bank, you know, hit up Bank of America or JP Morgan, you know what I'm saying, or, 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 or any other bank and say, hey, look, I'm going to start a cannabis business. I want to get a million dollar loan, okay? They're going to laugh at you out the building. They're going to laugh, call their buddy into the room, point and laugh like the kid from The Simpsons. <laughs> They're going to laugh loud just like that because it's just not possible. I mean, it's possible they, they can give you the credit, but it's just that because it's federally legal and the banks are federally regulated, the FDIC, after, you know, uh, FDRs, after we had the Great Depression, uh, FDR, Franklin Delano, Delano Roosevelt, the president that served more than two terms, decided that the banks were to be in some type of control because people were going in and losing their money. Imagine you putting your money into the bank and the bank saying, well, 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 shit, I don't got it. I don't have it. Like, like the bank looks at you with their pockets, you know, unfolded out with their hands in the air in that like, like shrug emoji. That's how banks were looking in the Great Depression. You don't want that. And because of that federal regulation that now that allows them to stay away from cannabis in fear of violating their federal nature. So how do companies in cannabis industry operate even if they have no banking they may have things you know such as offshore accounts similar to amazon has an offshore account in order to 
you know, save itself from taxes and maybe in Ireland or being placed with our tax havens. And that's how they escape being taxed in America because they're in places with much, much, much lower tax and the countries are happy to take them because that's free money at the end of the day. All right. So there's a lack of credit line. It's hard to, you know, have your money in the bank. So what they end up doing is end up working with floating banks. And I'm not too well versed on floating banks, but I haven't heard too much about it. Maybe you have to do a Google yourself or I'll put a link in the description. Chances are not because it's not that big of a deal. Um, but yes, make sure you go ahead and get funding. Going ahead and getting these venture capitalists to give you money is the best way for you to, to obtain assets that are needed to even apply for a license and even obtain that license. Because listen, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog game when it comes to getting your license. You may have your uh, proposal. Now you may have your funding from investors, venture capitalists, angel investors, or crowd crowdfunding. Imagine you're crowdfunding a cannabis company. That's not possible. I mean, you need so much money to be in the cannabis industry. It's ridiculous. I'm seeing numbers upwards of $800,000, $50 million, $5 million, million, million dollar here, like, like as if million dollars were that easy to get. And it's not. And that's why you see so many people coming from other institutions who have money, who have assets, say, let's give this uh, cannabis thing a try. We might have failed being, you know, uh, investors. You may have failed being businessmen in this sector, but go ahead, let's go ahead and see what happens here in the cannabis industry. Like such as the brand California Dreaming. You have an MIT grad and you have a Stanford grad who were uh, starting a cannabis, uh, excuse me, starting a, a tech company and decided, hmm, let's go ahead and jump into this cannabis game and see if we can make some cannabis drinks. And because of their pedigree, because of their background, Stanford, MIT, they're brilliant people. They're extremely smart. They're allowed to get, you know, media attention for their products. And I've heard the products are just okay. I mean, it's five milligrams in a drink. I much rather smoke my weed any day than drink a drink something like as if it's a weed beer like no nah, i'm sorry it doesn't even taste that good uh anyway sorry to, to, to trash the brand but i'm gonna go ahead and continue on with the applying for a license okay so how do you apply for a license in the cannabis industry first you have to understand every single state is different Every single state has their own set of laws, they have their own set of regulations, have their own set of taxations, which means that you have to be well, well versed in what's going on in the state. Now, let's say you're lazy and let's say you have some money and you don't feel like doing all that work yourself. You can go ahead and hire a lawyer who is a quote unquote cannabis lawyer or someone who is a compliance officer, someone whose goals is to make sure that they read up on all the laws, all the regulation and make sure that your company is falling into that line okay so in order to apply for a license you have to find the marijuana control board marijuana control board are those people in every single state remember it's all different who determine what the rules and regulations are all right they're like the referees in the game of basketball if you don't follow their rules chances are you're not going to get any any playing time you're going to be fouled out quicker than you came in all right and so Applying for a license can cost upwards of $150,000 to $500,000. And in some states, it's even a million dollars to even apply. I mean, it's really keeping out those people who have the most probably entrepreneurial entrepreneurial creativity because they don't have as much financial risk or liabilities on hand. And that's why they have to play the game by the corporate rules. Listen, cannabis is becoming very corporate very quickly. Just make sure you know that before you go ahead and jump into the cannabis industry. Just like any other industry, it's going to become corporate because it's a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar company. Like upwards, I mean the industry, upwards of 20 billion by 2020-something. All right, $20 billion. That's one of the fastest growing markets in the sector right now, outside of tech, of course. 
All right, so of course I mentioned again that Florida is $60,000 to apply and in some places are even having you cost uh, uh, upwards of millions of dollars. So applying for a license, go find with the Marijuana Control Board, understand what it takes, read the, read the mandates, you know, read what's uh, what's stipulated, what's said into the uh, the laws of how you can apply. Follow those to a T, and go ahead and make sure that you have all those things that are needed. You know, some of those things may may may, may mean you need a million dollars in assets, as mentioned. You know, and 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 some of you may have to already have property or have a lease in order to start your business. So let's say you've already gone ahead and made your business plan. Let's say you've already spent the time of creating a proposal that can entice and make any financial capitalist drool. Not only because you have a business plan, you have a proposal, you've gone together and make a team. Okay, so I think I skipped that aspect when I was going down the line. Before you can even get funding, you have to make sure you have a team that can operate this business plan that you or your team has created. Chances are this team is coming from uh, individuals who have have high high regard in whatever industry they are already in and if they have high regard in their, in their, in their industry chances are they're gonna do very well in this industry imagine applying skills that you learn on the hard hard world of being in the tech industry or the finance industry applying that same level of intelligence and grit into the cannabis industry and you will be successful to a degree because not only do you have success in traditional you know uh, corporatism, but you can apply that same ideal into cannabis, but you would have a passion for cannabis, so it would be a bit different in how you apply those same skills you got. Right, so business plan, you have your team, your team is made up of people who are qualified and trustworthy, trustworthy enough that venture capitalists can go ahead and sign you some checks, you know, give you a hundred, couple thousand dollars here, give you a couple million dollars here, and of course, these uh, money that, the money that you will be getting in funding will be in the form of selling shares of the company to them, all right? Just doing a little backtracking here. And now you've applied for a license. So you applied for a license, you're waiting for it to go through. And listen, applying for a license game is a dog eat dog. You gotta scratch the palm, you gotta give a kickback, you gotta do something to put yourself over the edge to even get that license. I mean, Oregon may not be like that because the state of Oregon doesn't seem to be as capitalistic intensive. Cause look at Port Portland. Portland is the biggest hipster, you know, uh, city in the, in the world. Have you watched Portlandia on Netflix? I mean, it says it all. So with that being said, let's say you're in a state of, you're in a state of New York. Now, recently, Amazon moved their base from uh, New York City, as it was supposed to be, bringing, you know, multi, multi thousands of dollars, thousands of jobs, because you had the politicians that were so, so greedy, so greedy, kind of as greedy as Sony and Marvel are for taking Spider-Man from, all right, you get how mad I am about Spider-Man not being, you know, allowed to be made anymore because of the greed. But uh, that's not even, all right, so real quick, what's happening in the, in the Sony deal, and the, you can skip ahead if you don't want. Skip 30, skip like 30 or 60 seconds if you want to go ahead to learn more about cannabis jobs. It's just something I think some people will care about. So, of course, I love, you know, Marvel. I love, I don't love comic books, but I love comic book characters. And I love watching Avengers movies. So, of course, I really love watching Spider-Man as a kid. So, I do have a type of connection to the movie and it being created. Long story short, Disney no longer owned the rights to Spider-Man. It's owned by Sony. Sony said, we're going to make some Spider-Man movies. And after Tobey Maguire started making movies, the movies kind of went flat, right? They tried to thing with Jamie Foxx in there. Wasn't as great. But now they came back with this teenage Spider-Man, which is much more closer to the comic books, who was younger, who was in high school. Kids could connect with him. Connect with him. He's funny. He's charismatic. He's like a PG-13 version of Deadpool, all right? Am I, am I right? So long story short, the movie that just came out, 
uh, of him going, you know, over to Europe or whatever on vac- on a student vacation, whatever, whatever it's called. The movie made a billion dollars. All right. A billion with a B. And so Marvel was OK with, you know, only getting toy sales instead of getting some of the, you know, movie ticket sales. But after you see something that you used to own that is a part of your franchise making billion dollars, you're going to want some of that cheese, all right? You're going to be like that guy from Home Alone that kind of asks for tips by rubbing his fingers together? Right. So Sony came back and put gum in the hands of Marvel that was trying to get some of the ticket sales. And that's why Spider-Man for right now is in limbo. But anyway, back to the podcast. Um, I said that. I don't even know how that even came up. But anyway, so again... Once you've got your licensing, once you've, you know, qualified for everything, once you've greased the palms, that's how I got into there. You have to grease the palms of the politicians who are trying to give out the, the licensing or whoever whoever's a part of the board. Maybe you give somebody on the board a piece of your company. Maybe you do something along those lines. Cause that's kind of how I'm seeing it being boiled down. I don't know for sure. I'm not in the industry. I'm just watching from the outside in and I'm deriving my opinion. All right. So once you've gotten your license, what's next? Well, chances are, if you got your license, you have bought slash leased property and you would have to, you know, have a place to grow, have a place to manufacture, have a place to do whatever you're doing in the industry. All right. Chances are you're going to have to, you know, dig up some soil or you have to go import media or create your own soil from scratch. I've seen cannabis businesses such as the Death Truths Growery, who you may see featured in my Instagram story or on our page because they grow organic cannabis. It's LED grown. Everything is clean and they make their soil from scratch. I mean, they have a living, quote unquote, soil. I mean, I've seen them create the soil from the various minerals they want to put in there. They have earthworms uh, uh, put in there themselves. They have certain bugs like ladybugs that goes around and lives in, in, in the ecosystem. And so that creates a very natural environment for cannabis that cannabis is used to and it produces a clean clean high quality beautiful plant and not only that their plants are grown under led so i mentioned that to say if you want to you know create your uh, cannabis let's say grow operation you have to understand it's not going to be cheap especially if you want to do it right and if you're going to be competing against other cannabis businesses just know they got millions of dollars behind their grow operations all right I'm, i've heard from people who are in the desert in california who are who have bought more than one grow operation buildings like four buildings right my like my guy out there uh, in, in 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 the desert near coachella is doing his thing man and it's hard like the things that this guy has told me he's gone through in operating his business which is only focused on growing not running a dispensary not manufacturing you know concentrates not doing any of those things just focusing on growing has been grueling he has to get people to come in and make sure the lights are good make sure that the filtration is cool make sure that the uh humidity is great make sure that the water that the uh, the food that the cannabis plant is getting is 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 what it should be you know what i'm saying like he has so many problems in running this cannabis grow operation that lets me think yo i know these corporations are going through it you know but hey i guess if you come from a agricultural background and have some type of experience it won't be that hard because you deal with it on an everyday basis so make sure after you got your cannabis license that you have assets where you can either buy property or lease property to go ahead and grow manufacture your cannabis now you don't only have to be a grower you can also be somebody that manufactures cannabis aka make concentrates that is probably the fastest growing part of the industry right now 
reason being is when you're hearing all of this cannabis drinks, you're hearing all of these cannabis syrups, you're hearing all of these cannabis byproducts that are, that are going to be flooding shelves in the future, chances are they all make their products with concentrate. And the reason why they do that is because it's much easier to use that form of cannabis to make products. You can mix it in. It's fat soluble. You can even make it water soluble if you want. And that makes you, that makes you, that makes you a cannabis drink. That makes you some edibles. That makes you a whole list of products, oral sprays, topicals, THC lip balm, you name it. Chances are, I know it came from the plant, but most likely the next step in creating that product was the extracts. In fact, uh, studies, studies, statistics have came out from Colorado and California who have now been legal for over a year, a multitude of years that concentrates make up 60 yes 60 percent of dispensary sales now of course you're gonna ask hi tv what's the other 40 the other 40 percent of cannabis sales is going to be your flower flower is above all okay flower is the number one thing people love about cannabis is how they've been smoking forever and it's how a lot of people will be smoking in the future because let's be honest vaporizers get you nice and high and medicated but they don't get you where you want to be. You know, they last for about 30 minutes to 45 seconds. But when I smoke a joint, it's just different. It hit it hit my soul. You know, like my soul feel at ease. But when I smoke a vape pen, I can feel anxious. I can feel too high. It's just different. So flour will be here to stay, I think, in the industry forever. But concentration is a huge part of the industry that many people are now jumping into because you need a laboratory, all right? You need um, SOPs, which is standard operation procedure. You need to, chances are, follow, you know, inspections when they come through to make sure everything is clean. You have to have the right machines. The machines cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. You have to make sure you have employees that are dressed clean in clean suits. I mean, and the funny thing is, you look at places like Arizona. It's home of the Phoenix Suns, where it's hot as hell, and there's deserts everywhere, and cacti, and tumbleweed, right? <laughs> funny, tumbleweed. So, with that being said, Arizona, because it had medical marijuana laws so early, there were not many, you know, efforts put in to apply and impose you know regulation to make sure your cannabis was clean so the cannabis you see out in arizona is not as clean as what you see in nevada nevada's cannabis is so clean like it goes by the amount of microbes and so there's not any testing in arizona weed so arizona weed has a shit ton of microbes and i say shit ton because who knows you can maybe find some e coli samples on these plants all right just so those those of you that don't know e coli is like the bacteria that forms from fecal matter that's how you get pink eye they find e coli coli hits your eye now it turns pink all right so with that being said you go to nevada and they're so so clean in nevada it's amazing because nevada is mimicking how they how you go crank how you go crank there goes my speech impediment guys support the podcast for a dollar in the link on <laughs> the link in the description to go ahead and help my speech impediment all right but anyway so Nevada treats their cannabis grows like other states and how they have treated agricultural crops in the past by making sure they fit a certain amount or a limit of microbes available on a cannabis plant. So if you see a video I posted about Damon, uh, Damon, I can't, how can I forget his name? Damon Dash, the guy who used to work with Jay-Z, who was a part of, you know, Rock Aware and Rock Nation and all these other things. So he owns his own cannabis industry, his own cannabis grow operation. And so when he was letting the cameras inside, everybody had to put on a like almost hazmat suit in order to stay clean. They had to take their shoes outside and, and then they have to walk through somewhere where like they will shoot this gas on you that will help take off and kill all the microbes that may be on you. I believe that's called uh, being, wow. My biology teacher will be ashamed right now. I can't remember. Uh, you have to be 
what's the freaking word? Oh man, I can't think of the word right now, but it's a word that means that, <laughs> wow, my biology teacher's gonna kill me. Anyway, so this degree I have for nothing. So the point is, when you're growing cannabis in certain markets, because they may have regulations that maybe imply that you have to be ultra clean, you got to make sure you are low microbes. So with that being said, be growing a grow operation is very, very expensive. So I was going to save this for the end of the podcast as frequently asked questions that I may get, you know, in the DMs or asked in the comments. The cost of a grow operation estimates for a total investment in the total cannabis industry for a 7000 700 square foot facility with a thousand plants so if you want to grow a thousand plants chances are you're doing well for yourself because you know one plant can, can produce i believe like a pound or a couple pounds not that well versed i'm not a grower but that's typically what i know from outside looking in so if you want to grow a facility that has a thousand plants right they suggest that it will cost upwards of eight hundred thousand dollars i mean no wonder so many growers in california are going ahead and switching into being legal because it makes no sense for them to be black market because let's say they're making three hundred thousand dollars you know a year or they're making six hundred thousand dollars a year from growing their cannabis but yet with all this taxation regulation and stuff you have to spend money on like inspectors who come through and making sure you're being regulated the seat to sale you got to keep up with all these other fees that come with running a cannabis business and it doesn't make sense and it's because it's so expensive so if the national average is $800,000. You can imagine what the high of that is and what the low of it is. It's still in $100,000 or it's in the millions. So either way, you got to make sure you have that funding to carry on in the business, okay? So once you've got your license because you applied and once you have the couple million dollars in assets to make sure that your cannabis company has the financial means to carry on and you even have your grow operation up and running you have your manufacturer up and running or i can't even say up and running you just have your grow operation ready set to go you have your manufacturing ready to set go you bought your machines they're waiting for plant material to come in so you could turn it into you know uh concentrate you have your refrigeration you have your liquid nitrogen i mean you have your uh your ultra critical co2 which is your low temperature co2 you want to learn more search youtube um you have all the equipment you could possibly need okay you have your uh distillate creator you have your your, your things you needed to make sauce okay you have your your uh spectral chrome <laughs> can't even say it what's the chrometer that tests every single cannabinoid is it a chrometer that uses the uh, light spectrum to test listen when i tell you there's so many things to know it's hard for me to squeeze in one podcast i'm literally speeding all through it as much as possible i can even though i kind of went on a tangent with spider-man there but it was recent news it's topical trying to make sure you know that this podcast is nice and fresh all right probably we old news you listen to this later but anyway carrying on so you have all these things ready okay what's the next step the next step is to hire employees now i've already spoken about hiring employees who potentially have the background of being professionals who will serve as your board who will serve as your top tier of your corporate pyramid listen everything's a pyramid scheme at the end of the day right even when you go to the to the basketball court or you go to the gym there's some head honcho that be going to the gym forever that's the biggest dude on the court or the dude on the court that has the meanest jump shot that's just how it goes in life speaking from a guy's perspective i know sorry ladies about that just like ladies when you have somebody when you walk into a place who probably a lady with the best looking clothes who has the most money and is probably the best looking that's just how it is around the world everything in life is a pyramid scheme all right 
sigh our life right anyway so yes you have everything in place you have to make sure you have employees so how do you go ahead and find employees you can go on indeed.com you can go on ZipRecruiter. you can listen to our tips on how to get a job in the cannabis industry listen to the tips that i've mentioned to now figure out how you can go ahead and find employees because you're not want you're not going to want to hire just anybody who has an interesting interest in cannabis you want to hire people who have skills in cannabis yeah we want to hire people who are passionate but smart passionate smart responsible that's probably the, the the three things you need in order to hire somebody to work for your cannabis business i'm not talking about those who are hiring a corporate structure who may be your cfo who may be your ceo who may be your uh chief product op uh chief product operations manager or something like that or anything as high high above okay not your compliance officer we're talking about employees people who you know are getting paid probably between 15 to 20 plus dollars an hour your managers okay your supervisors you know your leads to make sure that the low-level employees are doing what they need to do uh, HR managers. I mean, it, the list goes on and on. I mean, your lawyers need to are technically employees. You have on retain on retainer to help to make sure that, that you stay out of a lawsuit and stay in compliance with the state. Because the last thing you want to see is a cease and desist from the state that you are going ahead and be and running your legal business in. So once you've hired your employees, once you've done your professional background check, once you make sure you found people who are knowledgeable, you know, have ideas, are passionate, love what they're doing, would love to be in your industry, are proven themselves in the past to be great employees. And once you've had your million dollars in assets that allowed you to purchase the machines needed, the lights needed, the humidity needed, if you're a grow operator, the nutrients needed, the uh, the clean room needed, I mean, the, the water you may need. I mean, Lord have mercy, there's so much things you need. And one day I really love if you're a listener out there who may run a grow operation, who may run a uh, a uh, concentrate creating a processing or manufacturing operation where you make the concentrates. Go ahead and reach out to us. I would love to go ahead and travel and see what it is. Now, of course, I'm talking about the cannabis industry here, not the hemp industry. If you want to enter the hemp industry, it's almost more of the same thing where you have to still have a business plan. You have to know what you're going to do. Are you growing hemp? Are you creating products from the hemp uh, end results, such as the hemp herd or you're making stuff to make hemp holes, hemp houses like the hempcrete? Are you out there making hemp fabric? You know, it's the same kind of template that I'm providing you in this, in this podcast. From my perspective and my knowledge, of course, I'm not perfect. I'm not the most knowledgeable. I'm giving stuff that can hopefully help somebody out there or spark the mind of somebody out there to say, you know what? That could be me too. I could be in this industry. So same thing in the hemp industry. You have to make sure that you get investors. You have to make sure that you have some type of money coming in, whether your money is coming in from quote unquote, an illegal market. You know, a lot of people in the hemp industry used to sell a lot, a lot of other legal things and they found something that they can do that's legal. That can be great for their family because they, they don't have to worry about going to jail for what they were doing. But not everybody has the means of getting money that way, whether it be illegally or legally. Same thing in the hemp. You got to apply for a license and it is much cheaper. I think hemp applying for a hemp license is much, much cheaper. However, the people who are in the hemp industry that are the big dogs, they're growing so much hemp. You almost you almost have to be as big as they are to be competitive. OK, because it's so cheap. They have the same amount of money needed to start a huge, huge cannabis THC operation that they're going to head, they go ahead and say, you know what? F that. Instead of competing with the rest of you guys, crabs in a barrel, I'm going to go ahead and jump into this empty barrel over here and go ahead and be successful. I'm going to go ahead and be great because the grass is greener in the hemp world. That's why many farmers, many uh, cultivators rather, who are in the cannabis industry are jumping into the hemp industry because they're seeing it as being much much more lucrative they get more out of what their initial investment is with cbd cbg etc 
All right, so now that you have your employees, now that you have your assets, now that you have your license, now that you found some form of funding and you are following your business plan slash proposal to a T, what is the next step, High TV? Start growing. Start manufacturing. Start dispensing. If you want to, um, um, excuse me, start a dispensary or run a dispensary. You just have to start doing what you're doing and doing it great. And just know that when you start your cannabis business, after you went through all of this arduous, tumultuous process, you're going to make sure that you're going to do well because you're going to be investing. You're investing so much time, energy, and money. You're taking so much uh, 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 free time out of yourselves, so much free mind space, so much leisure time gone in order to run a cannabis industry. You might as well focus on making it great. Okay, you better focus on that. All right, just do what you're doing. Get into the research and development process. Perfect your craft. Make yourself unique. And then you have to think about what's next. What's your brand? You know, that's probably the first question you may you may be thinking of as you're building a business plan. Who is your cannabis company targeting? Is it the older demographic who may be smoke, who may have smoked weed in the 60s and are now entering back into the industry now to try and see what this new weed is about? You know what I'm saying? Or are you marketing to the 18 to 25 crowd like myself who, you know, smoke weed much differently than somebody who may be a bit older than I am? Chances are, if you're in your 30s and 40s, you're not maybe you are focused on getting as high as possible or maybe you're not maybe you have kids and you have a job to do so maybe you only like sativas or something to give you a bit of energy while taking away the pain or just something to help you take the ease off after work instead of a glass of wine you pick up a j all right that's the new world we live in you're not picking up glasses of wine anymore it's going to be like like <laughs> you know you go to like stores and you deal with like uh women who are stay-at-home moms and they're like all wine and champagne drunk and are like kind of funny but kind of annoying at the same time because they don't know that we know that they're drunk and they're just like they think oh i'm so confident and free right now i just don't care like i know you're drunk <laughs> all right it's gonna be you're gonna have the same thing where moms are and moms and even stay-at-home dads not to be too uh misogynistic there i apologize you know, even stay-at-home dads, too, are just going to be out there in public in the daytime high as hell because they're stay-at-home dads and what else are they going to do, you know? Um, but, yeah, so who are you marketing to? You know, what is your product selling? Are you selling to the aficionados, the enthusiasts, the people who care about terpene content, cannabinoids, full spectrum, who know all of the key buzzwords when it comes to cannabis? Like, I feel like anybody who's in the cannabis industry kind of turn into, like, scientists when they know all these things. The endocannabinoid system. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody who knows about cannabis can tell you about tetrahydrocannabinol or CBD and CBG and anxiety and pain. Like... They can tell you everything that cannabis could do, but probably still can't do high school algebra. <laughs> Am I right? Oh, uh, man. But honestly, who are you marketing to to your cannabis brand? You have to know this in order to be successful because a part of your plan is knowing who your end consumer is. Who are you selling to? What do they like? What is it about cannabis that they love? What is their lifestyle? Where are they smoking your weed? Are they smoking your weed, you know what I'm saying, right before their kid's soccer game? Or are they smoking their weed as soon as they wake up? Are they smoking their weed before they go to sleep? Or are they smoking their weed on their way home from work? You know, are they smoking their weed at their retirement home because they have nothing better to do than play bingo and scrabble and smoke weed and play high doing it? Like, wow, that Bethel was getting pretty good at this game. 
and she's Be Bethel is here laughing because she just smoked a J and so she's ultra creative so now her Scrabble game is on point like stuff like that you got to think of what is your brand who are you marketing to you know what is your name speak to is it about is it about you know health is it about um, having fun is it about being laid back like Canopy Growth has a recreational brand called Spinach which is meant to be playful which is meant to be fun which is meant to attract maybe the older crowds who see Spinach as related to being green like Popeyes and may even associate you know spinach with wellness or health and and and, and being healthy and then others that see spinach as a fun way of referring to weed because broccoli is a term that's popular in the hip-hop game as referred to weed broccoli is another name somebody should uh, create for a weed recreational brand uh broccoli with like a hip-hop spin of course so again who's your demographic how old are they you know segre segregate your market understand who the hell is buying your products okay because you can go ahead and start a grow operation and listen it doesn't have to be even that low if you're not if you're not even trying to sell to end consumers are you selling your products to other businesses you know are you a brand house one thing that was pretty interesting to me is this company out in oregon don't even want to say their name but they're a brand house. So a brand house is something similar to Constellation Brands, where Constellation Brands, I believe, owns uh, Corona beers, they own Modelo, and they own a bunch of other alcohol brands that fall into the liquor, beer, and spirits market. Now, cannabis is doing the same thing, where they're creating these products that, uh, where they're not growers, they're not manufacturers. All they do is buy their product uh, at a wholesale rate, and then they repackage those products with key branding, have great marketing, and then they see their products go ahead and go off. And I, I honestly, I think that's the future also, because look how big Constellation Brands is now. Now, of course, Constellation Brands bottles their own stuff. They produce their own stuff. But as a brand house, that may be the way to get to that point. Because you've spent so much you know, social media dollars, you've spent so much marketing dollars to be creative in marketing your cannabis brand that you've created just by buying someone else's stuff that's already grown that's already manufactured and and and, and uh, uh con made into concentrated products then that could be something you do as well um but yeah so let's go on to knowledge so if you're at the stage like myself who who, who may one day in the future you know want to feed their family with something in the cannabis industry not knowing what go ahead and read books you know, the History Magazine just, just released a book that talked about the history of cannabis. Time Magazine every now and then has an issue that's all about cannabis. The Green Rush is a great magazine. Um, you can read books. You can uh, go ahead and watch videos for days. YouTube is one of the best educational platforms in the world. In some aspects, YouTube can be used to teach people how to talk English just by watching YouTubers all day, or watching vloggers. They don't know pop culture terms, you know? So you can go ahead and learn about what it is to be a grower on YouTube if they haven't taken it down yet. Cough, cough. Um, you can learn about how to be a, how to make concentrates. You can learn how other people are running their businesses. You can see how people are marketing their businesses. Use the internet. Use books. Use PDFs. Use audiobooks. Go out and learn. I can only put but so much info here on the podcast. I can only put but so much info that I have only... I don't know anything, okay? Like a wise man Socrates once said, you know, a man that thinks he knows everything is not wise, but a wise man knows he knows nothing. So with that being said, know that you know nothing when it comes to cannabis because you're not in the industry yet if you're not already there. And even if you are operating a cannabis business, you still don't know enough because you're not number one. If, you, if your name isn't Canopy Growth, if your name isn't um, Acreage Holdings, who was an investment firm for cannabis, if your name isn't... Uh, what? True leave. Oh, whoa, no. Take away true leave. 
<laughs> Excuse me for that. If your name isn't uh, any of these large cannabis companies that are known out here, man, you need to go out here and read. You need to go out here and learn and just stay in the know. Keep learning, okay? Keep, keep learning if you're going to be in the cannabis industry know that you have to have lawyers on retainers you have to have compliance officers whose job is to know all what's going on and guess what if you're not able to have any of those things you don't have any of the funding you're just like me you have to go ahead and be your own lawyer be your own compliance officer be your own venture capitalist by saving money figuring out a hustle to make money and then you have to go ahead and read books and and, and stay knowledgeable on instagram don't just follow shorties out here with you know big boobs and big booties and funny videos and cats go ahead and have a second page that's all dedicated to cannabis so that you can go out here and only consume media that has to do with cannabis is it is it is it, is it okay with you following and liking those pages for fun of course but also have a page where you can learn and streamline the information that's going into your brain. Just like you're listening to this podcast, chances are you have passions to be in the industry. Chances are you want to learn, and that's what has brought you here. But guess what? This is only the beginning, okay? There's people out here who have much more knowledge than I do that has been doing this cannabis media game for longer than I have. And they probably can even provide stuff that I've even skipped all over about. But I can only condense it into a small low-key long episode <laughs> all right so for frequently asked questions all right um i'm gonna skip that because i, I think it's already long enough but we're gonna talk about non-legal so when you're a non-legal cannabis business all of what i said all of what i said applies to you as well and the reason why it applies is because chances are if you're a non-legal business you're in the gray market or the black market as some may call it depending on you know what's your political stance <laughs> You know, it, you, you ultimately want to become a cannabis business. I mean, a legal cannabis business. Because I'm seeing people who were illegal grow their business in about four years and have now been bought out for $300 million by a bigger cannabis brand. Because guess what? These cannabis corporations are what you thought they are. They're corporations. Canopy Growth just lost a billion dollars. A billion. A billion would it be? Like, put your middle fingers on your left lip like Dr. Evil. They lost a billy no mandy. A billion dollars. Okay? And then a lot of people say that's because when you come from an agricultural industry, it's hard for you to apply the same ideals to selling cannabis, especially when you're trying to sell cannabis in Canada, where Canada doesn't even allow you to put celebrities in your marketing, I mean, celebrity in your ads or any of your marketing. They don't allow your brand to be a bit too flashy. It's really just about the medicine in, 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 uh, in excuse me, in Canada, or not in medicine, but the cannabis is just very dull. Like I, I compare the cannabis industry uh, in Canada, their products kind of look like, if you ever watched the Fairy Odd Parents, Remember when Timmy Turner wanted to be like everybody else and so everybody became a gray blob and he had a pink hat? Well, that pink hat and gray blob is what Canada is right now. Their products look boring. They look dull. They're not exciting. I don't see marketing out there. So the U.S. has it on lock. For some reason, the United States have a keen ability to create global brands. I don't know what it is about this country. I don't know what it is about how they're raising us. So maybe it's the media we consume. Or maybe it's just the amount of ambition they, they, they hammer into us as Americans. You know, or even I'm an immigrant myself. But still, that the stuff the ideals that they hammer into u.s citizens has the ability to create these global brands and i've seen this already even in cbd people are creating great brands you know for some reason in canada it's just not like that i guess it's just something here it's something in the water <laughs> something in the water all right so the side is salting you with my singing let's go on if you're non-legal businesses or non-legal business start small you know start extremely small 
chances are if you want to if you're a non-legal business you've been already selling weed for a long time you already know what you're doing you know the business you know the game so i gotta go go ahead and baby you and tell you any of that aspect and if you don't know how to sell weed go find somebody that's already been doing it because you can find somebody that sells weed on every block in every neighborhood in every city all right and so now that cannabis is becoming less illegal we're seeing more sesh events pop up you know sesh events are places where you're able to go see what the local black market looks like now drug excuse me weed dealers back in the day aren't just you know a dude with a flip phone that walks around in a hoodie that goes ahead and daps you up and gives you an eighth and walks away you know or just pulls up to your crib and then dips as quick as possible these black market cannabis businesses are creating brands for themselves they're creating identities for themselves all right they're separating themselves from the pack a lot of people are resorting to i've seen in these sesh events to connecting their brands towards things that are already familiar like zach woods zach woods is connecting to the 1980s babies who all grew up watching saved by the bell who have a lot of memories about watching with their friends and talking about what happened on the show with their friends and maybe maybe even having crushes on characters on a show like kelly or if you're a girl you may have a crush on the show of ac slater who was played by mario lopez right though so stuff like that right Zach Woods, great idea. You may have somebody out there whose brand I've seen is the face of Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Makes a lot of sense. Shaggy from Shaggy smoked a lot of weed in the, in, in the TV show. I don't know how they allowed a stoner to be in a cartoon for kids, but somehow it worked, all right? Um, and people are doing all these things. I've seen creative, creative brands, you know, just stuff that are unique. And I like seeing it because it shows you just how creative we are as a community. The cannabis community is filled with creative, creative people. So, yes, create your brand, separate yourself in a non-legal business. All right. What separates you? Who are you selling to? Chances are you want to just sell to everybody if you're a non-legal brand because you don't have the luxury of targeting your market. You buy, you become a vendor, right? You buy your six foot table, you buy your tent, you buy your marketing, you know what I'm saying? And then you have to go out, you have to go out and find out, you know, who's out there buying products from these non-legal states. I mean, excuse me, buying products from the legal states like California, like Colorado, like Oregon, and they may buy those products in bulk and ship them to non-legal states. And then now they're selling California level or legal level products here in non-legal states but then again most of it is all most of it is really all uh i even want to go go into that but just know we go to session events not everything you see there that says it's from a legal state is from a legal state you can go ahead and go to california and buy bootleg mylar bags and then put whatever flour you want in them and you can call them cookies you can call them shabinsky you can call them whatever popular cannabis brand is out there now okay that's just how it goes you can call it run runts have you seen what's going on with the runt game the runts yo everybody thinks they have runts okay everybody thinks that they're smoking white runts or whatever the hell color runts it is i mean i don't even know what runts is i just see this bag everywhere i see it all over instagram i see so many people out there propagate what the hell is runts and the chances are, if they're selling runs, they're buying bags from California and putting the bag in there that are uh, putting their weed into the bag and saying it's runs and people are buying it for an expensive price where it's just the same exotic weed, just with a brand name. And it just goes to show you the power of branding, huh? Just keep that in mind next time you start your cannabis business. So you got your brand, you bought your table, you bought your tent, and now, you're, now your job is to network and to connect with whoever is the quote-unquote plug for all of these products. Whether the plug is flying to California, flying to Colorado, flying to Washington, Oregon, D.C., not D.C., and are going ahead and, and uh, shipping these legal products to you, 
or you're going to these places that have great weed or grow great weed in your local area. But listen, there's some great local uh, growers who aren't legal growers at all. And there are people who have been in the game for decades. I'm talking about decades of genetics and experience and their flowers. Some of their flowers are even better than what these big corporate companies are selling. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I think most of the highest quality cannabis growers or cannabis comes from non-legal growers. Why? Because if you're a cannabis smoker, chances are you're, you're anti-government anyway because the government went ahead and did this effed up thing, which is make weed legal in the first place. So you're not going to want to become legal because you're like, yo, why would I help out Uncle Sam by giving him taxes? I mean, you're going to make hemp illegal when it could do so many positive things you're gonna make weed illegal just because you have some racist idea of that you know mexicans and blacks would rape you know women because they're high on weed or you're trying to protect your like come on if you're a weed smoker chances are you're a bit of conspiracy theorist there's nothing wrong with that because i am myself and to live in america is to be a conspiracy theorist because everything literally is a conspiracy at to some degree of course flat earthers whatever bro um i don't know believe what you want to believe any any of the day but the point is you know, the best growers, I, th I believe, in America are non-legal growers. I mean, they're not going to go ahead and acquiesce to the Uncle Sam and give him tax money and now ruin their, their way of life all because Uncle Sam says, all right, I feel like making money on this now, so let's go ahead and legalize it. Nah, that's BS. So go ahead and find who are the local growers in your area, network at these sesh events, build relationships, and you got to know people that sell weed are very secretive. They're not going to trust you until they trust you. So you have to build that trust. In a, in a non-legal market, trust is everything i mean if, even if you're a black market or gray market seller and someone's like yo uh, i heard about you at the last session but i want to go buy something you're not going to answer that text that could be a cop you never know so just know that it's very important to build relationships in this industry especially if you're in a non-legal one because all can go up in all can go up in flames very quickly but if you operate smartly you do your due diligence it can all go smoothly all right so remember to start small get your brand you know what I'm saying? Separate yourself. Get your branding, your, your tents, your tables, the type of products you want to sell. Are you selling only edibles or mainly edibles, right? Are you selling mainly flour? Are you selling mainly concentrates? I'm seeing some, oh my God, professional level concentrate creators who are in the non-legal market states. They're creating some of the most amazing sauce. They're creating something called uh, high full spectrum extract. I mean, most of the greatest, you know, weed artists when it comes to growing or concentrate making are non-legal. And that's just fact. And I think it's going to be something like that forever. You know, if you're going to want to find the best concentrate in the West, chances are it's coming from somebody who was a not, who was a non-legal operator. I stress that because it's true. Just saying, I got to tell you guys number of facts on here because I'll, I'll just like to keep it real. Uh, be unique. As I say, not all businesses are touch the plant businesses. You can be a cannabis transporter. You can be a hemp transporter. All right. All these products that get bought needs to be transported and moved. Okay. All of these products need to be right. You can be somebody that helps out with marketing, like the green TV idea I told you about. You can be somebody who's like an ease. That's like an Uber for weed. Um, you can go ahead and be a, a waste management company for the cannabis industry. Yes, cannabis produces a shit ton of waste. I mean, we're environmentally pretty havoc. We're environmentally problematic. Let's be real. I mean, the amount of water we use, the amount of energy we use, the amount of weed that gets discarded. I mean, the fact that legally these legal cannabis businesses have to go ahead 
ahead and burn weed that's not being sold to the general public is a freaking waste. You got to figure out some way to to go ahead and either remediate that or use it for something else or something. But yes, uh, waste management companies in the cannabis industry are making a killing because people are throwing out their trim anyway and uh, they're not making use of it. And some of these people are going ahead and either using that trim to uh, create concentrates or they're using that the biomass or all the other stuff that's not needed they're still using in some facet some people are even juicing cannabis like you're becoming a cannabis juicer where you're juicing the weed um not you could be a software company that has to deal with uh, seed to sale. You could be somebody who's a POS system who's trying to make dispensary lines even quicker. If you're in the tech world, um, you could be somebody that's a law firm that says you want to, you know, diversify and be hip, new and hip, and create con clients who are probably multi-millionaires in the legal cannabis industry and need lawyers on their side that know the judges and can go ahead and make sure they they walk away from the case. That's just that's just facts. Uh, what else? Non-illegal cannabis businesses. You could be. You can sell uh, uh, rolling paper. You can make your own hemp paper brand. I mean, you can do things that are facilitating people to go ahead and get high. You can go ahead and sell lighters that are like those plasma lighters, but you create like the best branding behind it and the best marketing on social media. And you got all the social media you know, stars out there using the lighter and now your lighter is cannabis adjacent because it's all used for cannabis industry. You can sell torches for dabs. You can sell glass to people who are glass artists. Yo, know what's crazy? The people that's, that uh, buy and sell glass, that is a huge, huge market that I never thought was a thing. Always wonder why these dab rigs look so crazy and artistic and advanced. It's because there are artists behind it making those glass creations. And those glass creations are being sold to the highest bidder at high prices. I'm seeing a kid who was, what, 22, 23 years old, who was in a buying and selling of uh, exotic glass dab rigs. And he's now close to being a millionaire. He's not there yet, but the fact that he's buying and selling at this rate means that there's something there. So all you guys out there that buy and sell Jordans because you like to wear Jordans, if, you are, if you're out there and you like to dab, go ahead and buy and sell oil rigs that look fly and look cool, right? I mean, they all have a price and these things are going like art galleries, I'm telling you. Um, there's so much more. I, I'm just trying to squeeze as much as I can because I know I'm late with the podcast and I, I love to educate you guys and help you guys out any way I can because I really hope and wish there's people out there who will do the same for me, you know? Uh, yes, go to Sesh Events, network, and make sure the product you are selling is great. Make sure your personality is great. Make sure you're trustworthy. Make sure you always come through. Stay consistent. If you go to a Sesh event and you have your table full of products, and then the next Sesh event you go to, you don't have shit, chances are people are not going to go back to you because you don't have everything readily available. So make sure it's consistent. If they know you always have the key lime pie, the key lime pie edible, they're going to go back to you for the key lime pie edible. If you're a person that cooks authentic foods like the spicy McChicken from Popeyes. Mind you, that line was around the corner. That is madness. That just, that just goes to show you how powerful social media is. All Popeyes in my city have lines that are spanning like immigration lines. Like it's it's ridiculous. Like I couldn't believe how long the line was just to see if Popeyes chicken sandwich is really better than Chick-fil-A. But you know who the real loser in that war is? You know who the real loser is? KFC. KFC got no burn today. Their line was literally empty. Nobody was around, but Popeyes had people. Popeyes line almost looked as similar as Chick-fil-A. 
And I wonder if Popeyes on purpose decided to, yo, make sure the service is a bit slow. So like almost like when clubs aren't that popping and they make the line look longer, they're doing the same thing with their with their restaurant. Anyway, who knows? That's just me speculating and throwing ideas out there. So uh, I haven't tried the Popeyes chicken yet, but I definitely do want to because the way that uh, America has taken to this debate is Chick-fil-A better than Popeyes chicken? Well, we're going to find out on today's vlog. Like I'm seeing a bunch of those videos go around left and right. So hopefully you have the tips that I gave you. I'm just going to go down a brief rundown or a brief recap to start a legal cannabis business. Um, you need a business plan. You need a proposal. You need to take it seriously and start with templates or create your own business plan and keep on improving it. Keep on improvement. See what other cannabis businesses business plan look like or proposals look like and then go ahead and either recreate it in your own light and be unique. Don't go ahead and copy and paste it. Don't bite they swag. Don't be a swagger jacker. Be unique. Be yourself. That's how you become the most successful. All right get funding make sure you find venture capitalists out there who are willing to trust not only the personnel that you have built to become your board of trustees that can trust the business plan you created but they actually see that you have signs of becoming a big player in the industry and possibly be acquired by one of the bigger industries who are valued at multi-billion dollar uh, uh entities angel investors the whole nine remember banks do not like weed okay fdic uh floating banks is another thing i don't know too much about so i'm not going to talk about it or give you some bullshit information that's not really you know something i really know for sure uh apply for a license just know that applying for a license is not going to be as cheap as it is to apply in oregon listen oregon has weed for six dollars a gram and it costs only 250 dollars to start a uh, or apply to become a cannabis company in oregon which generally means if you got a paycheck last Friday, you can go ahead and apply for a license in Oregon. Just saying, just just don't expect you to sell, you know, weed at a high amount because they're selling literally ounces for twenty five dollars to fifty dollars. No lie. If I'm lying. I'm dying. I've seen it myself. I mean, I've heard of wholesalers in Oregon selling at a dollar per. Uh, if, I'm going to attach a link in the video to the top places to start a cannabis business. It's going to give you stats and statistics from a business website to help you on your journey. Um, continuing on, you need over a million dollars in assets to run a, a cannabis company. I'm seeing people say it costs multi-millions to run a cannabis company. Not just one million, not just two million, not just three. Kind of like when LeBron said, I'm not bringing Miami one championship, two championships, three championships. It's not going to cost one, two, three, or four million. You need much, much more. And unlike LeBron, even though you only got two million, you only need much more than two. Even though LeBron only won two championship rings to Miami, you only need to have way more than two million dollars to be a successful operator in the cannabis industry now of course there are pockets where you can fit and become a low level small business but generally i'm talking about becoming a big player in the industry because that's where we all aim to be or be a part of so go ahead and buy and lease property if you don't want to go ahead and dig up the ground and buy land and start your own grow operation slash manufacturing facility go ahead and find a warehouse that maybe used to be an agricultural or or used to be some type of a chemistry based business that allows you to have a clean room that allows for you know humidity to be controlled or anything along the nature that you need go ahead and research and find out how much these machines cost that you may need for both your grow operations and your uh, manufacturing facility you're going to need uh roto vaps you're going to need you know super critical co2 you're going to need your machines that mills the cannabis that you bought or mills the hemp that you bought and turns it into isolate or turns it into concentrate thc concentrate you're going to need those machines I and mean, those machines cost hundreds of thousands of dollars hundreds of thousands of dollars okay uh lights you don't need to invest in lights you need to invest in hvac which is uh, uh um 
cleaning the air. You're gonna need to get uh, humidity humidifiers. You're gonna need all this other shit. I'm telling you, it's a lot. The cannabis industry is difficult, but it's gonna be worth it if you're in it because you're gonna love what you do. Remember, it's all about your end goal and why you do it. If you wanna be there, it's because you are passionate about it. And if it ever gets hard and annoying, realize it's because you love what you do. If you got your shorty and your shorty's annoying the hell out of you, giving you a headache and she's mad and she wants you to apologize for something that she fucked up on, she gonna give you a headache, but guess what? You love that chick. So you're willing to deal with it. <laughs> All right. All right. Just a little game for y'all. So continuing on, once you have your million dollars in assets, you have your property, you have your machines, you want to make sure you hire employees. You already have your board of trustees who are, you know, make, making the, making sure that they're the top on top of the company, making the head decisions. And you, you know, split that decisions into different sectors so that they can go ahead and manage what they manage. One is managing the marketing. One is managing the, uh, the, uh, 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 the, the, the technology. One is, is managing the science. One is ma managing the finances. One is managing the legal and, uh, and compliance laws. I mean, all that shit. That's just how it goes. And when you hire employees, you make sure you hire people that know what they're doing. Or if, if you're not hiring people that know what they're doing, have a great training, uh, training, what's the word I'm looking for? Have a great training platform that new employees that are inexperienced in the industry, but fit your budget as to how much you can pay them, you know, annually per year. Make sure that they're able to, you know, be good enough to be trained and then be good enough to so that the training can stick and they can you know, help your company and not be a liability to your company. So once you have your employees, you have your assets, you have your uh, license after you're applied, you have your funding and you're following your business plan, you want to make sure you start growing, start manufacturing and start dispensing. And last but not least, if you're not anywhere close to there, like myself, outside of having a media a, a media company on Instagram and educating people and having outreach and having slight connections in the industry and getting to know people in the industry. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not low level, but I'm still on a lower tier. Let's just be real. I'm not going to bullshit you and act like I'm something I'm not as everyone else does on the internet. If you, if you know anything coming from him international, I'm going to keep it real with you, not BS with you. Keep it real. And that's all it is. That's why I only really review products that, uh, I like. And if I'm reviewing products on Instagram that are ads are being paid for, they're going to say ad in the corner. Just keep it a buck. But it's either either or I'm only going to review it if it's a good product. If it makes me feel sick and I don't like it. It's not going to come. And I want to send the money right back. So continuing on. Uh, yes. Read books. Watch videos. Do your research. All right. Do your research. Put in the work. Do your research. Put in the work. Do your research and put in the work. If you're in the lower tier like myself, that's all you can do is learn, have the knowledge and prepare yourself. Listen, there's no such thing in this life called good luck. All right. There's only good luck happens when hard work meets preparation, as Will Smith said. OK, and much great other men have said in the past that he just said most recently and it clicked in my brain. All right. Don't don't look at me crazy. Like, yo, did this dude just quote Fresh Prince for inspiration? Like. The Fresh Prince, Aladdin, the nigga was, I mean, excuse me, whoa. <laughs> let me fall back, let me fall back, let me fall back. So remember, stay competitive. Not only are you competing against other cannabis businesses, you're competing against other want-to-be ganjapreneurs like yourself who are putting in the work and are preparing so that when opportunities strike themselves, it's going to look like good luck because they created their luck. All right? So again, if you're a non-legal business, go ahead and start small. Go ahead and build a brand, be unique, separate yourself, you know, get your branding out there, get your products out there, go ahead and network, build trust, build relationships. If you're selling weed, you know how important it is to build relationships with your plug and maintain that relationship with your plug so that you can go ahead and serve the community the cannabis they need if you are a non-legal cannabis business. I don't advise it because this is a podcast that is non-explicit 
mostly non-explicit, I should say. And we don't advise illegal activities here on the podcast, okay? Just for legal matters. This is all about education and giving experience to people who are following me in the cannabis industry. For those, you know, naysayers out there and potential people who may want to, you know, go ahead and uh, strike the podcast for any illegal activity. So be unique. You know, not all business plans are about touching the plant. Be an ancillary business. If you don't know, if you don't know what an ancillary business is, go on Google, search it up, and see what other ancillary businesses exist. All right? List is endless. Go to session events. These are illegal session events that goes on. I love them because they're a way for us as a cannabis community to come together. Generally, you go to a bar. Not everybody in the bar is a part of the cannabis community. But if you go to a session event, you're with yourself. You're with family. You're with people who are just like you, who think like you, who love cannabis like you do. And now you feel welcomed. You're not feeling weird being high because everybody in there is high. And it's just a great, great feeling. Unless you have a lot of anxiety like me and you may get like, like a slight panic attack because of too many people around you when you get too high then that's just it is what it is but just make sure you fight through the anxiety fight through the shyness fight through the nervousness and realize what the end goal is because at the end of the day you love this plant and if it gives you a headache you're going to deal with it all right sorry to come off so preachy sorry to come off like a black gary v it's just i'm really passionate about this stuff and i really want to help anybody out there who is like myself because at the end of the day we're all in this together again this has been an episode of high tv Thank you for listening. Follow us on Spotify. Go ahead and check check us out on other podcasts, uh, streaming websites. And really, 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 I want you to go out there and uh, I want you to network. I want you to work. I want you to put in the work. I want you to put in the work. And if you can, please refer this podcast to anybody you know who likes podcasts and likes weed because chances are they love information like this. And the amount of you guys that come in week in and week out to listen, I am humbled. I am happy and I'm appreciative of you guys. And as I grow, I hope to grow with you and vice versa. As you grow, I like you to show us the work you put in i would love to share with my followers on instagram what other followers and other listeners of the podcast are doing out in their real life because guess what we can show you what burner is doing what snoop dogg is doing what cheech and chong is doing what wiz khalifa is doing in industry but i think what's most poignant and what is will touch you the most is somebody who is just like you that went ahead stuck their nose in the ground or stuck their nose in the books learned what they had to learn and went ahead and put their work put their work in despite any other distraction that goes on around them anybody around them that tries to you know deter them tell them no try to distract them try to make them feel better whatever the hell their motive is just ignore all the, the bullshit and continue on to do what you need to do to to provide food on a, on the table for your family with something you love like cannabis don't let cannabis be a deterrent where you know you're smoking so much of it that it's becoming a liability and it's taking you away from your family by separating yourself but it allows you to provide for your family. So again, thank you for listening to the, to the High TV podcast. As always, you are listening to High TV. I, I'm missing up my own outro. That's how long I've been going. My brain is fried. All right. <laughs> Listen, thank you for listening to High TV. This has been another episode. Stay tuned and stay high, folks. High TV. Peace.